0: A good start envisions the end result. Thank you for joining. This is Bryce Harper. I am the pastor of Family Worship Center here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is episode three of my own personal podcast, and I want to take this episode and talk again about my sermon notes and the message I preached this past Sunday here at our church. I got a lot of great feedback from people that were just um, impacted by the message, so I thought it was going to be good just to do that again. Share these notes. Go through it. I'm in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. This is part two of a series we're doing here called Eucharisteo. It's kind of hard to say. It's a Greek word for thankfulness or thanksgiving. Gratefulness. And in a season of Thanksgiving, we took some time. Um, the past two weeks, we're going to finish that series up, part three, this Sunday. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-15, through 15, we have the story of Naaman. And let's go ahead and jump into it. One statement I want to give you right off the jump, we're going to kind of see that through this entire story, and that is this, the greatest moments in life. If you don't hear anything else on this podcast, hear this before you tune out. Um, the greatest moments in life is not what happens to us or what happens for us, but what God does through us. Say it again, the greatest moments in life, it's not what happens to us or what happens for us, but what God does through us. So, you know, what's happened to you um, is not the greatest thing. You know, it may have shifted some things around in your story, but it's not the greatest things. And even what's happened for you, maybe good things, you know, what's happened to you can be maybe seen as those negative things, traumatic things, traumatic events what happens for us can be some of those blessings, um, those moments where we see um, an acceleration in our life, an increase in our life, um, just good and glorious moments in our life. But even those aren't the greatest moments in life. Really, truly, the greatest moments in life is what God does through your life. Um, verse number one in 2 Kings chapter five, the king of Arab, Aram had great admiration for Naaman, who was the commander of his army, because... Through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Again, we're already privy to that notion of greatness happening through the life of Naaman for King Aram. So what happens through your life is is so important to recognize as really the greatest moments of your life. Verse 2, at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. You know, Samaria in the New Testament is seen as a region of people who are very suspicious, and um, just very critical of Jesus who was proclaiming himself as the Messiah, the Son of God. But even before that time in the New Testament, all the way back in the Old Testament, in this story, we see that there is a prophet, that prophet being Elisha, a great man of God. And so before this place became a place of criticism. It was a place where the great prophet of God, Elisha, lived. So don't let what happens to your region socially determine the origins and destiny of that area or even of your life. This region in particular may have turned cynical and critical, but we must remember a day when great men and women of God spoke the truth of God's word, extended healing hands to hurting people. That should be our point of reference. So another great statement I want you to hear and I want you to receive is that, and that's this. Do not let what's happening in the middle of your story discourage you from how good it started and how great it will end. Say it again. Do not let what's happening in the middle of your story discourage you from how good it started and how great It will end. No matter what's going on right now in the middle of your life, in the middle of the narrative of your life, of your story, of your journey, do not let it discourage you from how good it started and how great it will end. Verse 4, so Naaman told the king what the young girl What the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing. I find it interesting that Naaman is already preparing and offering before he even receives his healing or what he is needing or desiring. And so there should be something about our lives of an intentionality of our giving, of our thanksgiving, of an offering to God, uh, even before we receive the fullness of things that we need or things that we want, healing, restoration in our hearts and life. We should already be at a place of telling God thanks, realizing that in the middle of my story, no matter what my status is right now, I know my life started good. It's going to end great. I'm in a season of my life where I'm I'm a little bit discouraged, but I'm not going to let that keep me from giving thanks to God. And so before he even receives his healing, he's already preparing um, an offering to give. And I just find that so fascinating and just amazing. Um, Verse 6, let's continue. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant name, and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I a God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. It's interesting, you know, in Levitical law, we're told that those who have leprosy or skin disease are supposed to, you know, not comb their hair, tear their clothing, stay within you know, stay um you know away from people up to a hundred feet, and just shout, cover their mouth, shouting, unclean, unclean, but here we are, we're seeing the king of Israel tearing his clothing, he doesn't have leprosy, uh, we see naaman um who has leprosy, who's not tearing his clothing, um and I just find that really interesting um find it interesting that the person who doesn't have leprosy. Tearing his clothing, clothing. the person who does have leprosy in a story is not tearing his clothing. And, uh, you know, we tend to overestimate our dilemmas, dramatically assuming the worst. We exhibit great distraught as we mull over these assumptions as if they are facts and irreversible. When when faced with a tense situation, do not assume the worst, but seek the best. Simply put, if if we are going to assume the worst, then we have to do ourselves the balanced favor of also assuming the best. Oftentimes we lose ourselves, though, in a whirlwind of illegitimate emotions and thoughts simply by meditating on negativity. When we should be caught up in lofty thoughts of reconciliation, forgiveness, mercy, and unity. In certain situations in your life, whatever you're faced with, if you're dealing with assumptions, you don't necessarily have all the facts. Um, this king gets this letter; he's a little dismayed, unsure what all this entails. He has these preconceived ideas or these assumptions, uh, and when you're when you are navigating assumptions, um, you should not own, you should do yourself the favor and always assume the best. And I'll, with this story in mind, when you assume the best. Um, you will most likely experience the best. But when Elisha, verse 8 now, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to to him with this message go and wash yourself 7 times in the Jordan river then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy so elisha gives very very specific details of how to manage his situation and you know in our lives in the word of god we're given very very specific details on how to manage um, our struggles, our tensions, our brokenness, our, um, mental, um, struggles, our emotional and anxious and, and depression, like all these different things that we have to navigate and deal with within the lot, you know, the kind of lives that we're living right now in the culture and, and media and God through his word, through his presence, through the, through Elisha and through the word of God, Um, was given very specific instruction on how to progressively step into his healing. Go to the Jordan River, dip seven, wash, dip seven times, and your skin will be restored. Uh, His healing was really as simple as that. It was as simple as just doing the Word of God. I'm currently reading Chris Hodge's book, Out of the Cave. It's a great book, especially for ministers, but it's also just a great book for anybody who is interesting in navigating any kind of depression or oppression, Um, and on page 58, Pastor Chris Hodges talks about the divine dozen and how to evaluate your life by rating how well you manage these 12 areas. Um, And the areas are number one, faith, number two, marriage, three, family, four, work, five, media, six, ministry, Seven social. Eight attitude. Number nine, finances. Number ten, creativity. Number eleven, physical. And lastly, number twelve, travel. And so Pastor Chris talks about how I look at my life and those divine dozen, those twelve things, and I rate how well I'm managing those twelve areas. And even in those twelve areas, we can see God's blueprint. His structure on how to manage and steward those 12 areas and manage them very, very well. And so in your restoration process, in your process of of healing, of moving forward, of growing and developing, um, go to God's word. Do what God says and manage these areas of your life well. If your faith is at a level five, say if you're rating these things on, on one to 10 scale and you feel like your faith is at a level, level five, then you need to look at the word of God and figure out how I can get my faith to a level six, seven, eight. Same thing with your marriage. If your marriage is at a level seven, how can I get my marriage to an eight, a nine, and 10? And then look at the word of God um, in each one of those areas, family, work, attitude, social life, your finances, um, your physical health, um, Sabbath or travel, rest. And God's Word is really just so thorough and dynamic and giving us great, great insight in all those areas. Let's continue in the Word, um, 2 Kings chapter 5, now verse 11. Um, I also mentioned I'm in the New Living Translation, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. Isn't that just appalling that Naaman is giving the one, two, three on how to be healed of leprosy and he becomes angry and he stalks away, the Bible says. Naaman goes on to say in verse 11, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. It's unfortunate that a lot of times we become angry of the process of our healing, but if we want divine intervention, we're going to have to do it in a divine way. If we want God's intervention, we're going to have to do it God's way. Whatever your expectations of for your own growth and your own healing and your own progress in moving forward in your life um, that progress is going to have to be met with an a submission to the word of god and to the direction of god you know naaman's healing was inconvenient it was unprofessional it was visibly unpleasant and not presentable so naaman had been treated with high regard and respect He was a powerful figure process the process was not pleasant but the results were miraculous you know naaman not only wanted to be healed but he wanted to decide how the healing would take place and we have to be careful because we will miss god when we want our healing in our way if we want god's healing we're gonna have to do the process of healing in god's way Verse 12, aren't the rivers of Damascus, Abana, uh, Abana, and Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel, Naaman continued. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. I find it interesting that he's asking these questions in frustration, but then not even really waiting to hear an answer from God. I feel like a lot of times in our life, we have these questions towards God in frustration, of how God's going to heal us or move forward in our lives. And we don't even give God the time, the space to be able to respond accordingly to our frustrations or our anger. Um, we simply vent and we walk away. We don't give him the space. We, we'll give him the space to vent, but we won't give him the space to respond to those frustra- frustrations. And so, um, too often, like Naaman, he's talking about these other rivers that are, you know, cleaner, they're better, more beautiful. Um, we tend to believe the difference maker in life is what's visible. But in the kingdom, doing things God's way, it's what's invisible that is the most significant difference maker. Um, I find this very, very true um, and the past 10 plus years of doing youth ministry I've had instances where things are going great in the youth ministry um, growing lives are being impacted um, kids are giving money to missions and just you know making a difference and just a lot of amazing just seasons of just seeing um, youth and a group of students just grow in God and grow in fellowship and community with one another over several months and several years and then Also, unfortunately, seeing families pulling their kids away from church um, and good families, godly families, godly kids, good kids. And, you know, we would be a little bit concerned like, man, why is why was it so and so here? and, you know, we would call the family. This happened on several different occasions, and a lot of times, and and they all are very similar in that, you know, the parent would respond or pick up the phone and say, yeah, you know, we weren't able to make it, you know, this past youth service, you know, we we decided to just, you know, go take the kids to a movie, or, you know, uh, just kind of go, we had a ball game, or, you know, we had a lot going on, so we just stayed home, and and next thing you know, that just be, kind of became a consistent pattern. And then it seemed like over 6, nine, twelve, you know, 15, 18 months, 20, you know, after two years, a year to two years, all of a sudden we're getting a call from the same family. Hey, can we meet, you know, my child is really exhibiting some very, very negative behaviors, you know, or they're surrounding themselves with just really poor peer influencers and so it's you know we would we would schedule that meeting we'd have a great talk and you know feel like we made a lot of progress you know sit down for a couple hours and next thing you know the parent kind of at the end of it says hey this was really good can we you know can we do this every single week and I'm kind of biting my tongue as a youth pastor like that's what we do we have that already available every single week you know, with other kids and a worship experience and teaching God's word and playing games and building this community, and it just goes back to show you know, a lot of times we want healing, but we want it our way, and we have to be very, very careful that if we really, really want you know, divine healing, we're gonna to have to do it in a divine way. We want God's healing, we have to do it God's way. And we have to be careful too you know, of judging God's way and saying, but I see something else that's better. Why just bring my kid to church, um, to this little church or, or whatever, you know, there's this other church that's better, or, you know, we can just stay home and, and, and it's, you know, more convenient, it's more comfortable. And, um, there's just, well, the rest of the passage will explain all of that. Verse 14, um, Verse 13, excuse me. But this, but his officers, Naaman's officers, tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. You know, this is why you just got to surround yourself with good, godly, common sense people who say, Hey, you need to do what God has told you to do. What did he say? Let's do that. Let's obey God. Let's rely on God. Verse 14. So Naaman went down the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. Great idea. Simply do what God said. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. You know, God was not just out to heal Naaman of his leprosy, of his skin, but he was out to heal his heart of pride. And when we want God to heal us or to restore us, God's not just looking at one specific issue or problem. He's looking at your whole life. And so you may want God to look at one of the divine dozen areas of your life and say, God, I want you to heal my marriage. You know, but God's not just looking at your marriage. He's also looking at your um, rest or travel. He's looking at your physical health. He's looking at your financial health. He's looking at um, your children. He's looking at what you're taking in uh, through media and your faith. And your ministry and your work, and your employment. He's looking at all those areas and he said, I, I want to heal your marriage, but I also want to I heal your finances and I want to heal your business and I want to heal your social life and your attitude. And, um, you know, God's not out just to heal these external issues we have, but he's really, really adamant about also healing the internal issues. So God's not just out to heal just, he wasn't out just to heal naming of his body of disease but also heal his heart of pride. Uh, verse 15, then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel so please accept a gift from your servant. You know, Naaman dipped himself seven times and why did God tell him to do it seven times? Why did God tell him to go to the Jordan River? Why did God tell him to do all those things? I don't know all the specifics. I think there's a lot of principles we can pull from that. You can pull from that just from your own personal study and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ultimately, I think it just comes to just simply doing what God says. There's a reason why God wants you to do it a certain way. And before we should project our own idea of how this should play out. Well, if God wants me to, you know, go dip in a river, why don't we go dip in this river? This river is better. Maybe God wanted Naaman to dip in the Jordan to allow him to begin to wash away arrogance, pride, um, this high loftiness that can be easily projected on someone like Naaman, who has um, a lot of accolades, um, a very high position in society. And maybe God was trying to let him know um, that ultimately he was in control, and he had a way of doing things. Um, and he had to. He wanted Naaman to get to a place of just depending on him more than just depending on his own um, ideas, and you know, depending on um, God. And all of this is an invitation to be more committed to God. Um, healing and salvation from God is not just an invitation for a more convenient life without God, but a more committed life with God. I'll say it again. The healing and salvation from God is not an invitation for a more convenient life without God, but a more committed life with God. Luke 17 with the 10 lepers, the Samaritan who was healed, who came back and gave thanks to Jesus. The moment he was he he realized he was healed of his leprosy and had an opportunity to respond and to be able to come in close quarters close contact to an individual his first per, the first person he wanted to come in close contact with was Jesus that's because when god heals us he doesn't just heal us so that we can have a great testimony that's you know, that's already understood. He doesn't just heal us so that He can use us. He doesn't just heal us so um, our life can be more convenient, even though it will be. Um, He doesn't do those things um, just for us just to have a better life. He does those things so that we can be closer to Him, more committed to Him, more in love with Him. And everything that that happens in our life that's good should always just thrust us towards being in close proximity to God um I have an illustration I'll wrap up with with Juby she um she started doing ballet um, this fall semester and I've just always grown up loving dance being a part chosen being a part of dance groups and drama, drama groups. And I've always had a real appreciation for ballet. I'm a man, I go hunting, I got guns, but I don't know why I've always had an appreciation for ballet. Anytime I've even seen worship dancers, ballet kind of style dancing, even in worship services, I'm always the first one crying. I don't know why it just hits me in a very, very tender place of my soul and heart. Uh, There's just something um, just so beautiful and strong and powerful, um, about, you know, worship dancing, especially in, in contrast to that, you know, being almost and basically like, like ballet. And, um, you know, I got to go see Juby practice or go to one of her, you know, practice sessions. And, um, you know, she was kind of goofy, like she is all over the place, but then she would have moments of just really, really good. I mean, just like perfect form. And, you know, I'd kind of be watching and she would see me, you know, and she would kind of be like real extra with her form, which actually caused her to have like really, really perfect form. And then like she would be like really goofy and just kind of not even be doing her routine. And in that moment, I was just really inspired by the fact that she wanted to basically perform for me she wanted to impress me, or she wanted to uh, make me laugh, or or make me give her a thumbs up, and you know, just like this maidservant of Naaman's, you know, she didn't have much to give, but what she had to give was more than enough, and even for Juby, she doesn't have much to give right now when it comes to her ballet, but what she has to give is more than enough, and of course, for me being her dad, I mean, it's like it just completely... Um, fills my heart. Like, doesn't matter how my day went, like going and watching her dance and her wanting to dance for me and and to impress me or make me laugh. Um, You know, she doesn't have a lot, but she doesn't realize that even what she is giving is more than enough. And we have to just realize in our lives that the only person we're performing for, we're dancing for, we're singing for, we're working for, is for God and God alone. And you know, Juby in that moment, she's not worried about her instructor, she's not worried about her peers, she's only worried about me. And that's how we should be um in ministry and business and uh, living for God. We shouldn't be concerned about anybody else but God. So just be encouraged to live to perform, to put on a production for God. He's watching, he's pleased with you, he's proud of you, and um you know and that should just be our ultimate objective objective in everything that we that we do last before we before we end this episode the greatest moments in in life is not what happens to us what happens for us but what god does through us through us this maid servant had something happen to them had 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 something happen for them but it was what happened through them that really allows us to look at this story of naaman and see a a significant impact. One more time, the greatest moments in life is not what happens to us, what happens for us, but what God does through us. Thank you for joining and listening, and um, we'll keep kind of rolling these out as we get them in. Don't ever forget, a good start envisions the end result.